Hello and welcome to what may be the final episode of Twin Peaks The Return, a Season 3 podcast. I'm Andy Hazel and with me to take us through today's special All Cooper episode is the perfect companion, screenwriter, director and author of the widely shared article You Are Far Away, Agent Cooper and His Troubling Return to Twin Peaks. It's Keith Gow. Hi. Welcome, Keith. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you very much for um, writing that cracking piece and for uh, finding the time to be able to come in. No worries. Um, could we begin by finding out about your background with Twin Peaks? We, are you old enough to have watched it yes, in 1990? I am old enough to have watched it. Right. Um, I was 15 when it first screened um, and it was a pretty big deal for me because I, I think it changed how I saw television. I think it changed how a lot of people saw television, but... As a writer, I hadn't really thought of television as being that inventive. It was all, I'm going to write novels, I'm going to write screenplays. And then this show came along and I went, oh, wait, that television thing <laughs> can yeah. be quite creative <laughs> yeah. and challenging. Yeah, I guess um, it was a really good time to be 15. Yes, it was. All these shows are influenced by it. They're about to open up. Yes, so the 90s was yeah, radically different than the eight, than 80s television <laughs> because yeah. of Twin Peaks. And have you rewatched it a lot since then? Yes, Right. Um, probably every time I got a new version of it. So I taped a lot of it off TV, but didn't have all of it. And then the VHS came out and actually I rented it first, then bought a copy, then the DVDs. And so a number of times, and then I've introduced people to it over the years. So I've happily sat down and rewatched it just to see them get to that end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and is it um, usually the same response? Yes. Um, most people are pretty devastated by the end of the original series. And then I get to show them Fire Walk With Me, which <laughs> still divides people and sometimes yeah. that helps and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> um, listeners may notice that Hayley Inch is, no, is not with us today and she's otherwise detained and uh, has sent apologies and farewells. So um, please do uh, reach out to her on social media if you would like to say goodbye and thank her for her fantastic efforts, I think, in um, raising some really interesting issues that were very important to understanding the return. Has the return changed the way that you think about the first two seasons? Um, I'm sort of only starting to get into thinking about the original again because I'm spending a lot of time just thinking about the return and how that works and, and what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And I'm a bit hesitant to re visit the original series just yet because I want to sort of understand what the return means to me first and then go back and watch the original and see how that's changed I've seen some people tweeting about doing a rewatch of the original yeah, yeah. And, and, and the new things that they've noticed and connections that they're making and I think that's all really interesting but at the moment I want to spend more time thinking about mm. the sequel before I go back yeah um because it's going to be a big change. It's going to be a big deal to go back to the original, something that I know really well, and have it feel completely different. But I was expecting that. Yeah. I wrote another blog post um, before the return started about how I was watching Twin Peaks for the last time because I would never see the original again the same way. W whatever came, whatever the return turned out to be, whether it was good, bad, or whatever the end result, <laughs> whatever this re result was, yeah. um, I could never watch the original the same way again. Mm, yeah, um, which is fascinating. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you have a big, a strong connection to Cooper? Was he like a key reason you liked the show so much? Um, I mean, I think he's a pretty unique sort of character. I don't know that there's been many quite like him before or since. I mean, in some ways he's just the detective, but he's a detective that does dream analysis and throws rocks at bottles and stuff. And he's sort of a pacifist and he's inquisitive and 
he doesn't solve things with force and that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and there's not a lot of those kind of characters even now. You know, these days there's a lot of lead characters that are, you know, anti-heroes and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. And he was fascinating for not being that. I don't know that I necessarily thought of him as a huge influence personally or even creatively, just the fact that he stood out, especially at the time, as someone unusual. I think that's interesting because we've had a lot of shows that are influenced by Twin Peaks to varying degrees, but we haven't really seen a character like him in those shows. Yeah, there may be like aspects yeah. of, of, you know, him to David Duchovny, you know, in X-Files or something like that, mm. but th- there's really nobody who's straddling that sort of liminal world <laughs> in the way that Cooper does, where he seems to be able to access these sorts of different talents and qualities. Yes. I mean, yeah, a lot of TV shows have taken elements of Twin Peaks and, I mean, the small town murder mystery wasn't even new then, but it's been redone and redone and and supernatural shows have taken off since then and that, but you're right no one's ever really tried to approach remaking cooper yeah yeah that's <laughs> probably for the best <laughs> <laughs> um yeah because when we first heard about the return the very very little information we got was lynch saying this is the story of agent cooper the returning to twin peaks and then david nevins the head of showtime said the core of it is agent cooper's odyssey back to twin peaks and then one of the very few images we saw was cooper's face walking out of the darkness mm-hmm. that we turned up in part 17 yep even though we had pictures of Valora as a main promotional image, he seems to be the focus. We, we understood that he was going to be the focus of it. And so this kind of gave us this different weighted expectations, I suppose, where we've always thought of Laura as being the, tr- the true focus of the show. Now it was going to be you know, explicitly not all in, set in the town and it was going to follow Cooper. Uh, did you have any expectations going in about what this, these clues read out up to? Um, well, that, that quote about the Odyssey back to Twin Peaks made me think, why is it going to take him so long to get back there? Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> like, what is it that's keeping him out of there? I, I didn't necessarily consider that he was still stuck in the Red Room for 25 years. But if he had been, why is it going to take so long to get out of there? Yeah. And knowing that they had filmed things outside of the Pacific Northwest, why is it taking him so long to, you know, travel across the country, Yeah. for example? <laughs> of course... That's answered <laughs> in the show itself, but expectations-wise, I couldn't really put those things together. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Fair enough. Agent Cooper. Is this in Arasma? It is. This all cannot be said aloud, no. There's another podcast called Diane. I'm not yes. sure if you're familiar with yeah, them. Yeah, very familiar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, um, on their analysis part 18, um, I think it was Bobsy. I can't remember exactly which one. Said yeah. it was uh, Cooper's journey is one of a man who fails to bear witness to his own pain and sorrow. Yes, well, that, that was an interesting quote. And I... <laughs> I feel like he fails to bear witness to other people's pain and sorrow. Right. I think that's the key for my reading of it, is that he he spent so much time away from the world that now that he's back in it, he doesn't interact with it the way you'd hope he would. He, he doesn't deal with people the way the old Cooper used to deal with people. The scene in Part 17 where they're in the sheriff's station, he is standing there watching 
mm. observing, yeah. making sure that Freddy fulfilled his destiny. And then while that's happening, we get the superimposed Cooper over the whole scene. So he's not really accomplishing anything in that moment. He's just there to make sure that other the pieces fall into place. Yeah. And, and he's not concerned about other people, I don't think. Really? Um, or... I mean, this is the, uh, I know, the, the good Cooper, I suppose, we're talking about. Yeah, yes. I think he's playing off the board, to take a yes. quote from the original series. Yeah. He's seeing everything from a completely different perspective, but he's, I don't know that he's worried about individuals anymore. Right. Um, because he's so focused on Laura? Or this, this, this case? Possibly Laura. I guess he's concerned about Laura in that moment because he's waiting for that to play out so that he can go back in time. I, I'm not sure how all mm. those pieces fall into place. Does he need Diane? Does he need to get Diane back before he goes well, yeah, <laughs> on his journey? Yeah, there are various theories around that. About yes. Mm. Um, but, but I feel like he is thinking so much about time and space <laughs> Um, that he isn't thinking about the people of Twin Peaks anymore. Mm, okay. But I also am not sure if he's thinking that rationally about Laura either because I think the choice to try and take her out of time isn't the right one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's that's I think that's the core of my theory and my, mm-hmm. my post was that he thinks saving her or taking her out of time is the answer <laughs> and I'm not sure that it is. Well, yeah. I mean, how do you mean out of time? Because he seems to, he clearly wants to take, go back in time to be able to... He goes, yes. Um, well, she disappears from the version of Twin Peaks history that we know. Yes. We, we watch her mm. body disappear from the beach. We watch Pete take his fishing trip. So in that sense, mm. it feels like she'd been pulled out of time. But what was Cooper's plan? Was his plan to take her out of time or... To hide her somewhere? To I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I think I thought it was just to re-establish a new narrative in which the trauma never takes place. Yeah, um, but the trauma, her trauma, had taken place before that. She'd been oh yeah abused throughout mm. her childhood. So I don't know that that fixes her trauma. And so part of me wonders whether he's seeing the bigger picture. And like I said, he's not concerned about individuals anymore but possibly about saving the one, however that fits into a larger narrative is probably not the right word, but um, game is not the right word either, but he does seem to be... (laughs) Reality. (laughs) Yes. He saves her from being killed that one time. (laughs) (laughs) If he's aware of her, the way that she was created, you know, there's that one reading that, you know, in part eight, she was created to fight against all evil. Yep. In the form of Bob. Yeah. And so if he's aware and he's been instructed by the fireman to go back and do two birds with one stone, yep. you know, is Jade and, and Laura, you know, and so there's this idea that those are the two birds and the, he's the one stone essentially and he's that's his mission, which is perhaps why he's not so concerned with individuals and the lives of people who aren't. Yes. I mean, that, and that does make sense too. That's, yeah, one um, reading. Yeah. So I was concerned that he didn't listen to the sounds and that he didn't understand what, the fireman was telling him at the start. Yes. And that only later, while he's in the parallel universe, does he start to put those clues together, by which point I'm not I think it might have been too late. Mm. My reading of the last episode is that he's been trying this multiple times, that he's been through this over and over again, 
and that by the time he finds uh, Carrie Page, he's done this before mm. and he still isn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because um, knowing you were coming in, I went and had another look through My Life, My Tapes. Yep. And, of course, given that it's written by you know um, the Frosts and yep. uh, there's an awful lot there where you, where you could feel like his, the whole part of his life is preordained, you know, from having the FBI poster above his bed to having these early encounters with yep. tragic women um, because, you know, he's got a very bad, bad track record of... You yes, know, he, he doesn't save any of the women. Nobody, you know, everyone <laughs> he falls in love with, yep. you know, doesn't, doesn't fare well. And... You know, despite the, the the chunk of the book which is missing, where he goes off to you know to Asia to mm-hmm. or Tibet, become spiritually enlightened in some way. That aside, it feels like everything is just this preordained road to becoming you know, to take him to Twin Peaks, which you know I guess was partly the purpose of the book. But then now, in, the, in light of the return, you can see even more yeah. information there. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you? How did you take Dougie as a manifestation? Because you know we we're also told that we we're going to get three versions of Carl McLaughlin. I think. Yeah, I'm not sure that I knew that before. I started watching the show. I'm not sure what <laughs> what people knew. I mean, obviously, some people had seen uh, people yeah the, the photos, f- and photos production from, uh, shots. So Dougie, I had a lot of trouble with early on, mostly because I wanted real Cooper back. But by the time, by about part six or seven, when I realised he wasn't coming back anytime soon, <laughs> mm. I relaxed into it a little bit more, and. Now it seems like, well, that's genius <laughs> because he is in there and he is learning <laughs> and he is changing those people's lives. And that's another reason why I feel like real Dale Cooper isn't listening to individuals anymore, whereas in a way Dougie did. <laughs> um, yeah. He didn't have a lot of choice, I don't think, <laughs> but or he didn't have a lot of self motivation but he did seem to affect people's lives on an individual basis whereas once the real cooper comes back he's above them right yeah okay and you know it does explain the odyssey because he does have to go through a lot of things before he remembers who he is and i think all those parts are necessary Um, i know some people complained oh hearing gordon cole from sunset boulevard was wasn't really what i expected and and i my argument is if he hadn't been through the coffee and the pie and 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 hearing other, you know, the hoot of the owl in part three or yeah, four, yeah. that the Gordon Cole thing might not have made any sense to him. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I feel like all of that stuff was necessary before he would snap out of it. Mr. Jackpot! This is the man I told you about. I wanted to see you again. I've thought of you every day. What you did for me, you changed my life. This is my dear son, Denver. He's back in my life again. I have a little dog. I have a house. I have my life back again. How can I ever thank you? So I feel like Dougie learns a lot and Cooper comes about because he's learned things along the way. Yeah. It's not just, oh, David Lynch got to (laughs) reference his favourite film and put his character name in there. (laughs) He's already the 
creator of the show, the yeah. co-creator of the show, and now he's the key to bringing Cooper back, which I suppose he is metatextually anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, metatextuality is something we'll get to later, something I've, I thought was really, really interesting in a lot of the theories that people are trying to use to understand the show. Um, there was also a part of your article that really stood out to me, which... Um, was the hardest thing to reconcile was the fact that Cooper had failed again and worse than before. Now, this was really hard, like, not only for me, because I'd spent most of my life idolising Cooper and thinking, you know, what would I do in a situation that was ethically tricky? What would Cooper do, you know? Mm-hmm. And so to have him, you know, as failed in Part 29, it was a di- very, very different sort of failure to the yeah, one we got in The Return. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, in the original series, it feels more like a classic tragedy in that he's imperfect. He suffers because he's not perfect yeah he's he's got no nobility that's right um he yeah he's doing the right thing as far as we can tell he just fails at the end he faces his shadow self and and has imperfect courage and yeah and and that's the narrative and that was the story that was told and it took me a long time to reconcile myself with that ending even though we had firewalk with me which suggested that perhaps he was still in the lodge and he was there to help laura and and that was a beautiful ending but the tv series ending uh, it took me a long time to to deal with that so to come to the end of the return (laughs) Mm. and see him what i think make a terrible choice and then to be doomed almost to repeat it forever yeah (laughs) or for a long time depending on how you take that final moment (laughs) i still don't think it's good for him Mm. (laughs) That does feel like a worse failure than before because we've been waiting for it for so long because he's come out more enlightened than before Yeah, we had to assume. And then I think he makes a fundamentally wrong choice in trying to change Laura's life. So was there a point where you think he's made the wrong decision or do you think it was a motivation that was wrong right from the beginning that he never learnt to reassess his motivations? I, I think he didn't learn to reassess. I think he was away from the world for so long that perhaps he thought, and maybe he... Because uh, I think of him more as a, an entity of the Lodge now. I feel like he's closer to the fireman than he is to Cooper. And that he's come out with all these new notions of time and space and how he can change them. Mm-hmm. And he can see all the pieces that he needs to move to solve the problem if you accept that Laura dying is the biggest problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure that that is the biggest problem, given what we've seen of the town Mm. (laughs) and how much it's been affected over the years. Whether he thinks that if Laura didn't die, that Sparkle would never have come to town or... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um, Or, you know, the mill wouldn't have closed or... I mean, some of that might have been true, but it's hard to know. Mm. So... I don't know if he was thinking that bigger picture, but he doesn't seem concerned for the rest of the town. Yeah. Now, he doesn't interact with much of the town either, so who knows, but it feels to me like he's fixated. He's come out of the lodge. We know that he and Gordon Cole and Major Briggs spoke at some stage, which I still can't quite wrap my head around. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was that plan? <laughs> Um, because that was before his doppelganger escape. So it wasn't a plan to fix that problem. Mm. So what was the plan? And if it was to save Laura, 
25 years later, that doesn't seem to have fixed whatever problem he perceived <laughs> there to be. Um, and I think he's come out and he hasn't been able to adapt. And in a way, Mr. C, who is so driven by one thing, has but has spent 25 years in the world setting up a lot of possibilities. Um, he's got all these people working for him, and if one thing doesn't work out, he's got someone else to help him fix the problem. Mm. Whereas Cooper's been away from the world so long, he's got no support network. <laughs> yeah, He comes out thinking one thing and aims for it and doesn't think of the consequences. Mm. And what, so what do you think Mr C's motivation is? Well, I mean, Besides staying out of the Black Lodge? Besides that, I mean, well, I think... It possibly is power. <laughs> Just generally, I think, it, mm. I think it, it's generally power. It, the revelation of Jaude and being an extreme negative force and that image he had on the playing card that was similar to the experiment and, and trying to piece all those things together, like there's, there's nothing that says that that's Judy. Mm. <laughs> but it seems like it yeah. must be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know what other candidates there are. Yeah, but there's nothing made explicit in this show at all. It's all about... <laughs> finding the connections and deciding how happy we are with those connections. Um, so for me, so for Mr. C to be, to be pursuing that power, it, I mean, it doesn't seem like that far away from what Windermere was trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is fascinating to me because I feel like Lynch and Frost want to pretend that Windermere didn't happen and yet they've effectively rewritten that story. <laughs> so on a bigger scale. With another, uh, to a bigger another scale, and, mm-hmm. um, and that's an interesting way to tackle the return, mm. <laughs> um, the revival, um, is to take what the elements that they liked and turn it into the show that they wanted to make, which was one where they don't give you any answers. <laughs> yeah, They let mm. you have the experience and cope with the ending. <laughs> um, did you find it hard to take nostalgia out of your viewing of The Return? Uh, it was impossible to take it out. <laughs> I, I think the show is set up to be anti-nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. Um, the original series is so fixated on nostalgia. It's Twin Peaks is a 50s town and it's a long way from the world and, and all that sort of stuff. And this show is so fixated on its... 2014 or 15 or whatever it is. And Janie is worried about being the 99% and, and all that stuff. So it's not about nostalgia anymore. It's about the world that we're living in. My own personal nostalgia, I couldn't... How, how can I put that aside? I've loved the show for so long. How do I reconcile that? How do I say, oh, it's okay. We won't get Cooper until part 16, so I'll just live with that. Well, mm. not, I can't do that. Um, I want to see more of the town of Twin Peaks and six episodes in, (laughs) I've hardly had any of it and I'm spending a lot of time in Las Vegas and Buckhorn and with all these characters that I don't know and I didn't necessarily like the Mitchum brothers early on and there was no Bartolomenti music early Mm -hmm. on and, (laughs) you know, I'm really glad they aired those first four parts on the same day yeah, yeah, because we did get a bit more of Twin Peaks in part four and we got Bobby crying at Laura's photo and we got some Bartolomenti music. 
but it took me a long time to go, okay, I, mm. I can see what they're doing. And it took me a long time to appreciate what they were doing because I did want to feel like I was back in that town again. Yeah. But mm. the world moves on and changes. And But it, you know, it take, took me until uh, probably part eight. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. And after that, it was like, oh, well. Overall, yeah. I'm really pleased with the experience. To experience that show once a week for three months, to talk about it, to read about it, to listen to podcasts. And I went to the Twin Peaks Festival this year as well. So it's an experience that can't be recreated with anything else. But yes, I, I did, you know, even watching it while I was away and, you know, in the area where it was filmed, yeah. it still didn't feel like the show that I wanted back. Really? Right. Um, and yet, by the end, I was pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> because I noticed, looking back, you did a, you wrote a review for the music.com.au. Yes, I, I think did. you gave the first four episodes four stars out of five. Yeah. Um, and I think as a whole, as the first four, um, I was pretty pleased. And that was partially because I didn't want to be upset with the show. <laughs> I didn't want to dislike the show, but I thought there was enough elements and, and I could see where it was moving towards. We weren't going to get what we wanted early on. Mm. Now, whether we got it eventually or not is still up for debate. Yeah. But in the first four, we were moving closer to Twin Peaks. Even as viewers, we were being withheld from returning to Twin Peaks and slowly but surely we were getting more and more Twin Peaks. Mm. And up through about the halfway point of the series, there was more and more Twin Peaks in every episode. Like yes. People had, you yeah. know, timed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> so by watching all four together was helpful. If I'd seen the two parts without the second, the third and fourth, mm. I might have had a more negative response. Um just because I didn't quite know where we were going after those first two hours. Um, because we got so little of Twin Peaks, we spent a lot of time with the glass box, and which, you know, didn't turn out to be that important. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the interesting thing now, looking back over it and thinking, well, if Cooper is ultimately a failure and his mission doesn't work out and he went in with the wrong, you know, intentions then all the time that we see him, you know, in part three, coming to terms with this, with, with the Mauve world and yep. you know, the White Lodge and the instructions and that sort of thing, do you think that's going to poison that experience, knowing that this is all ultimately futile? I'll be interested in re-watching to see whether I get the sense that at what point he <laughs> makes the wrong decisions mm, okay, <laughs> and whether I still don't know when that, the first scene of part one where that takes place, I still haven't figured out quite where that yeah, fits yeah. and which part of which, at which attempt did he get those clues and, mm. <laughs> or whether it's after the yeah. end of the series. So that the next time he will listen to the Yeah. Series. I was pretty confident that was, we were right. going to be seeing this scene replayed at some point and prove yes. it wrong. Of course, like um, most of my theories. Yeah. One more thing that you wrote in your piece, which 
I don't know. Like it kind of blew my mind a bit and um, made me reassess things. Which was uh, Dale Cooper is not Dougie. Dale Cooper is not Mr. C. By the end of the return, he may be an, an amalgamation of all three parts. But there is one thing he is not. He is not the hero. He may be the villain. He may be the villain. <laughs> what? Um, I, I honestly think not listening, and and this might come down to what does what did Laura say to him? Yes. Um, if he's not listening, if he's not taking other people's lives into account, I think he's somewhat villainous or at least an anti-hero. I'm sorry, anti <laughs> <laughs> And it's taken me a long time. Like it took me a week to write anything because yeah. I was so shattered by the ending and emotionally, but also on an intellectual level, like this is what we got. This last hour is what we got. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it took me a long time to wrap my head around it. And sure, I don't want to think that Dale Cooper has is the villain. <laughs> but if he exacerbates Laura's trauma in mm. any way, I think that's bad. But isn't that... <laughs> yeah, but that is just kind of like the hero's motivation without the intellect that it should go along with this sort of motivation. So it might be a noble and good cause. You, know, you might have good intentions, but it's spectacularly back, like wrong. It's backfiring in a pretty bad yes. way. If it comes down to it and he has made her suffer further yeah. after what I thought was a happy ending of Firewalk With Me where at <laughs> yeah, least she yeah. seemed to have found her angel, um, I have a hard time forgiving him <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. um, if she is suffering again. Now, I come back to the question of why was she torn out of the lodge in part yeah um what exacerbated that what what caused that to happen and perhaps it you know and perhaps that wasn't him perhaps it was some other entity mm-hmm. um, maybe it was Jaude who tore her away and forced cooper to do what he ends up doing which is pursuing the one mm. which margaret tells us laura is does that mean? I, I'm not sure. Well, I thought, took it to mean the chosen one, like she was created by the White Lodge. Yeah. And she was the one who was meant to come and solve the problems of I mean, I think perpetual I, evil. Yeah. I think I have a problem with that reading only because I don't want her to be the symbol of good. I, I like the story. I don't, I don't like the story of molestation and rape and murder. But I liked what Firewalker did for the character. Mm-hmm. And now to be told that she is some creation of the White Lodge sort of takes that human element away. Right. Okay. And perhaps that's a bit about what the return is about. <laughs> if Cooper is now an a agent of the White Lodge, perhaps Laura is too. Mm. Well, that's what the very, very final scene suggests, that they're both together in the in the red room. Oh, uh, that's true, yeah. Although when that but happens narratively, who knows? That's right. <laughs> I, and and given my reading of it, um, it feels like that's the start of another loop. Yes. So whether or not that but it's they're re- working together or, or not, I don't know. Well, it is a reverse of the firewalk with me seating, standing position. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. But it's also a recreation of the dream, the original dream. Because even in part two, they recreate moments from that original dream, which almost suggests that that encounter has played over and over again. And we've seen it 
in his dream 25 years ago and now we're seeing it again and she's aged and and why has that happened why has mm. she aged why hasn't she gone away with her angel what happened in the meantime i don't know but to me it strikes me as she's no longer at rest the last moment of the entire return is her screaming <laughs> and then we cut to a scene that we first saw 25 years ago it doesn't feel like she's satisfied <laughs> yeah yeah so do you feel like there's any piece of information that Cooper could get could incorporate that would take him out of this loop because if we're to, if we're to take that as the scene that we saw in the dream and she's yep. whispering my father killed me right then that's the piece of information that he needs to know to be able to you know so uh, he like yeah. the audience is perhaps perpetually stuck in this need to satisfy the the ring in a way yeah um is there something she could tell him yeah or is there any sort of way that he could be this cycle could be broken do you think if this is what's I mean, I would hope so. The other thing about coming to the realisation that he failed again was mostly I want, didn't want that to be true. And yeah. I know a lot of the commentary online is fixated around proving that he hasn't failed again yeah. and talking about how that scene at the end is the victory and because the lights go out in the house, Laura's scream has killed, killed day. Yes, <laughs> and it's like... Where does that come from? But I I don't dismiss people who have that need. Um, and I would like to think that the cycle could get broken. But what does he need to hear? I don't know. Hmm. Um, the fireman told him to listen to the sounds. And he hears that sound when Laura disappears from him. Yeah. And I don't know if that is the point at which things start going wrong <laughs> or whether she is rescued yeah well (laughs) it's 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 well it's impossible to know but listen to the sounds does he hear those sounds well if he listened closer had he not turned back and looked at her like you know mythology tells us don't look back obvious in your readers here it's like keep going yeah well he did seem to be leading her to jack rabbit's that's right and yes and after, in the very beginning, he does say, the first thing he says is, I understand. So yes. he seems to understand the sounds and what Richard and Judy is and all this sort of yeah. thing. He, he could be wrong. Though. He could be wrong. And it could, though, that scene could be playing after all this. Has yes. Um, yeah, well, and maybe that is, if it is playing at the end, after, after all, all we've seen, maybe he finally does understand. But when he's sitting in that motel room and he reads the Richard and Judy note, I yeah. don't think he understands... Or at least, unlike protagonists in other Lynch films who change their appearance, he has some sense of who he still is, but I don't think he has a full mm, yeah. cognition of what he's been through. Mm, okay. I need you to make another one. Yeah, I understand. Sonny Jim. Oh my. Dougie. Oh, Jenny. Dougie's back! Oh, oh, I knew it! Janie E, would you please go find a doctor right now? Yeah. Sonny Jim, why don't you go with your mom? Okay. Bushnell, pass me some of those sandwiches. I'm starving. The office just called. The FBI was then looking for you. 
perfect. Um, so did you take part 18 like a lot of people have to be the reality, like our reality or the reality that I mean, I, you knew it, at the it was, Twin Peaks Festival? Yeah. <laughs> it was hard not to see that knowing that Mary was playing the owner of the yeah. Palmer house was playing um, Alice Tremond. It was, and it was, and to see the double R diner in, in the dark without the lights on, which, you know, is the first way I ever saw it in real life was that yeah. night, you know, that did give me the sense of reality. I, I don't know that I read it as they've stepped into our world because, you know, that woman is, <laughs> isn't <laughs> Alice Tremont. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I do like that that level that um, Lynch found and, and Lynch likes to cast people that are around. Um, that there's a few scenes in the show that only existed because he found people on the day. Yeah. Yeah. The scene with Carl in the trailer park with the old man who was selling his blood. Mm. That guy I think lives at the trailer park. Oh yeah. right. And he was a guest at the festival um, on the night that that episode aired. So oh, just right. so at the roadhouse. So that scene didn't exist until David Lynch decided that that morning he would shoot something with this guy. You know, Mary has spoken about being asked if she's ever acted before. <laughs> I don't think it suggests that they've stepped into reality, but they've obviously stepped into another reality or the world has changed so much since Cooper uh, took her off the beach. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it doesn't feel like that's the end result of that. It does feel like another world. Um, so do you feel like he's he's kind of like broken out of the fourth wall in a way? Like he may have been written out and um, into non-existence then managed to be rewritten back via the glass box as a new character in order to save the TV series Twin Peaks? Huh. Uh, that is interesting. Um, well, I mean, I do feel like Lynch is basically saying, I made this world yeah. and I will take you back whichever way I see fit. And, and part of me thinks because fandom sort of kept it alive for a while, it feels like the return exists because we wished it into existence. Exactly, yeah. This is, I think, um, the, the Just like the Tulpers sort of exist because someone wants them to exist. I don't know that I'm necessarily satisfied with that as the answer to the riddle. Yeah. <laughs> but I like it as a way of, well, you're coming back into this world because I let you back into this world. Yeah, because there's always little clues all over the place, like, you know, not only the Bendigo Boulevard sign outside the front of oh, yeah, the double of R, that yep. sort of stuff, yep, and, yep. and, you know, the VHS copy of the pilot that may be in Carrie Page's apartment, yep. which is, you know, another theory. We have this idea of wishing the show into existence or dreaming, it being a, the dream of Lynch and Frost that we're invited into. Yep. Um, and then it's one that's been abandoned for 25 years. Mm. So, but, the, you know, we were kind of teased before the show began with this iconography of Laura and the cherry pies and yep. all our diner waitress outfits mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. And so to be able to be pulled back in and then be told that it's going to be Cooper's journey, yep. that to have him bring, you know, arrive at the Palmer household with Carrie Page and to see, you know, Alice Tremond, it allows these sorts of other realities to straddle and that's a sort of like to, to overlap in a way, like a Venn diagram or something like that, where mm-hmm. which is one of the few things that he could do as a detective. And so it seems almost like the world could be an extension of this 
this you know, the reality that Cooper has known so far. So he's got the the various places that he's familiar with, right. and he has this yep. idea of Twin Peaks being this perfect place to live in. Mm. In a way that there is this not only the, the fourth wall sort of breaking, not that we're in the real world, but we're in this sort of version that he is. It's almost like because in in Pilot Ten he could be moving around as if in a in a dream where we don't see any coffee in the coffee cup in Judy's diner, and yep. he's showing a badge that may or may not be an FBI badge off screen. Yep. So there's this whole f- fiction that he's kind of created in order to satisfy himself, yep. ultimately. But yes. Anyway, that's another way that I was, <laughs> I was potentially reading, you know, the Cooper situation. Yep. Because I do love this, um, this pulling pulling us back into the in the real world or into this, you know, this whatever part eighteen version of reality we've got, which seems to embody uh, an alternate Laura and then Cooper. You know, it's debatable, like part 17 and 18, Thomas Cordwell, who was the guest on the show, was sure that it was the real Cooper, not the good or the bad. Right, yeah, and that that was an interesting yeah. theory. I, <laughs> I never heard of that before, hadn't, yeah. hadn't heard that from anyone else and, and haven't since, but it, it, it is an interesting idea that, that he is the real Cooper. Because he's gone to go on a 25-year trauma, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so to come out of the lodge, would be he, you probably yep. would act like somebody in part 18. Mm-hmm. Although instead of, like you said, not interacting with any of the locals yeah. in Twin Peaks, just going being totally fixated on the evil in the Palmer household, mm. it ends up being a totally destructive. Yeah. And because I feel like he has been through that loop a few times, he does seem to take on aspects of Mr. C in the intervening time. But, but there is a big deal made of that moment where he and Diane leave the reality that they're in. And how, you know, why is that necessary? I don't know. <laughs> but it's obviously something that they've got. Remember 430, I mean, that's one of the clues. So they have to do that. It's something that he has to go through each time. Um, and I think she needs to be there every time that he does it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, what did you, how, how did you interpret that sex scene in the motel between those two? Um, I think that plays into the subtext about reliving and re reliving trauma and mm-hmm. and re-experiencing trauma and and whether you can suppress it or not whether cooper taking laura out of time solves her traumatic past or not because i think diane is dealing with the history she had with Mr. C. Well, he asked her in part 17 if she remembers everything and she says yes. Um, so I think that's an allusion to that. Um, so even when they go into another world, she remembers the history that they had together. Um, just like Mr. C remembers everything he was when he was Cooper. And I think Cooper perhaps remembers everything that Mr. C was doing. Yeah, yeah. Um so I think she is dealing with her trauma. It almost feels like in that scene like they're recreating yeah. that, that moment, which, you know, it's hard to understand whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but she is obviously still traumatised Yeah, that. it seems to be a necessary thing. It seems to be something that they have to do. Like yeah. it's either to summon Jude right. into this real yeah. reality or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. It, it does feel like something that they do as part of the journey that they take every time. Um, but because it's so much about her trauma, and we she covers his face, but even before that, we barely see his face. Yeah, and he's unmoved. Um, yeah. And he's, yes, um, unlike 
Dougie who at least flapped his arms. Yes. Um, so I think that feeds into that whole idea of he's trying to fix these women's trauma and he mm. can't. Yeah. And he doesn't realise that. Yeah, this is something I actually meant to take issue with with Haley. I think on the last podcast was she was saying you can't undo trauma. You know, it is fixed. You can't ever go back. And it felt like a, a condemnation. And I think, you know, it's just certainly true in this case, but I think there are cases of people going through trauma who can overcome it and they can manage it and they can work it out. And I think maybe going through it with a different direction than Cooper, a different intentionality than Cooper, it can actually be, you can mm. actually re- achieve some sort of peace. And so I just wanted to go, go, go like hashtag not all traumas. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and I think you're right um, in that some people can learn to live with it, but but it doesn't erase it, which I think is yeah. I think is the key difference. Is Cooper saving Laura is trying to erase her trauma, whereas with Diane, she's trying to fix it, fix herself, cope with the memory of it. Yeah, or re- maybe rewrite the memory to the point where she's comfortable mm-hmm. in the same room as the man with the face of the man who raped yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think that it will f- solve her problem, but I think the fact that she then leaves after that might be the most healing thing for her. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that her continuing on that journey is necessarily the right thing. Um, but then you could question, well, if she was there with him, maybe he wouldn't do what he does mm. at the end. Well, I know the whole thing about that sex scene, I think, is what one of the strangest things is the music cue. Is the fact that we get the the Platters song, yes, playing through that, which we've only seen before in part eight yep. in this very very strange scene, which is still open to interpretation. Mm. Um, and so I don't know if it suggests that there is a link. I mean, it suggests that there is some sort of link between uh, Diane and the girl from nineteen fifty six, even though I don't think they're actually the same right. person. But yep, there is yep. some sort of evil that's impregnated her, or that she's in a particular trance of some some kind. It's to do with his song. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still confused as to why that particular <laughs> track was used, but um, I feel like that will reveal itself over time as some of the internet Twin Peaks hive mind yes. go, go in their various tangents. I have to go away for a while. But I want to tell you how much I've enjoyed spending time with both of you. What? You've made my heart so full. We're a family. Dougie, I mean, I will be back. You're not Dougie. What? No. You're my dad. You're my dad. I'm your dad, Sonny Jim. Ultimately, were you actually satisfied with the Odyssey of Cooper as it was promised to us at the beginning of the return? Yes, I, I was because I didn't really understand before the show started how it could be an Odyssey because I thought, okay, he's either stuck in the Red Room and he will be there until someone rescues him or he's gotten out somehow, which didn't feel like that could work dramatically. 
what is going to keep him far from Twin Peaks for so long? And early on, it, it did seem like, well, Mr. C is out and Philip Gerard tells him that he can't leave until he returns. And I thought, well, maybe he is going to be stuck in there for yeah. 16 episodes uh, until uh, they stop Mr. C. Someone else stops Mr. C. And, you know, that w- probably wouldn't have satisfied me either. Mm. But the fact that he did get out and that he did struggle and that he was Dougie and he did learn things and all those pieces slowly fit together, that did make a compelling odyssey. And and watching Mr. C's story was as compelling mm. in a way because you didn't know what he was after. But you could see how he'd set things up to make sure he achieved what he was setting out to achieve. Um, he had that glass box there to capture Cooper so that he wouldn't be back in the world. He had all, you know, he had Hutch and Chantel out there protecting him. Um, he had Ray. He thought he had Ray on his side. <laughs> he had the uh, the guy in Vegas um, and like the spike. And he yeah. had all these <clears throat> things set up to protect him from the potential return of Cooper, from his being dragged in, back into the Black Lodge. So in a way... It's his odyssey back to Twin Peaks as well. Um, he and Cooper end up in Twin Peaks basically at the same time. Yeah. And I thought there would be a showdown and there wasn't. Same. Yeah. I also thought that they maybe they'd reintegrate into each other because who knows where the doppelganger came from. I thought perhaps uh, Andy's visit to the White Lodge suggested that they had split um, and perhaps they needed to be reintegrated before we had Cooper back. But the Cooper that we met in Part 16 seemed to be the Cooper that we remembered from the original series. Yes. Yeah. That's, um, that was the thing that threw me. <laughs> yeah. So it was satisfying in the end, even though the last hour and a bit is frustrating. Yeah. I think I, I can't dismiss the whole product <laughs> um, for the trouble I have with the last episode, which probably puts too fine a point on it. On it. I, I think I do like the final episode. I do like what it's making me think about. But as far as Cooper's return to the world, Cooper's return to Twin Peaks, I'm pretty satisfied. Mm. Um, It's just that he obviously has tried that multiple times. Yeah, okay. What are your feelings about the future of the story if it carries on in a limited series or a film capacity? Or if it's just the final dossier? Yeah, well, the final dossier is going to be really interesting <laughs> just because it's clearly a Mark Frost's view of the world because David Lynch apparently hasn't read The Secret History and it does feel like it uses the mythology more than the series does. That's an odd <laughs> way to put it. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's fixated on the history where this the show itself was sort of reinventing the mythology. So it'd be interesting to see what the final dossier brings because, you know, all the problems I had with the secret history are not the problems that the questions I had. Are they going to be resolved in this book? Or I don't think so. No, I, I don't, don't, I don't imagine, think they can be. No. But I, mean, it's, it's, um, I think it's like about a third the size of the secret right, history. Right, okay. So do I want more Twin Peaks? I've been watching the show for too long <laughs> to say, oh, no, I don't want any more. But what I want is for them to have enough time to do it properly. Yeah. I don't want Showtime to ask them to 
push one out next year. And and Lynch wouldn't do it. Frost, as much as he's got a history in TV, probably doesn't want to push out a season of Twin Peaks in a year. Um, so if somehow Showtime said, you've got five years, yeah, <laughs> I think I'd be happier with that. But right now, I've got so much to think about with the return. I don't want more of it in my head yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had 25 years to deal with the original series. Yeah. And... In some ways, there isn't as much to think about um, in those 30 episodes as there is in these 18 hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm not eager to get more of it into my head just yet. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I have to go. You'll see me soon. I'll walk through that red door and I'll be home for good. So thank you for listening to Twin Peaks Season 3. Uh, we've really appreciated your feedback and thoughts and I'm very grateful that we've given you another place to expand your theories and think aloud on Facebook and Twitter and by email. So please do keep sharing your thoughts. This is the last episode for the foreseeable future. There may be another one to coincide with the Blu-ray and DVD release on December 3rd. And of course, any news of any further telling of the story of Twin Peaks will necessitate firing up the amps and getting back on the pod. So please rate and review us on iTunes. You can always find us online at TP Season 3. Thank you very much, Keith, for coming in to share your thoughts on Cooper's journey and for joining me. And thank you very much, listeners, for accompanying us on our journey through the return. Goodbye.